You're listening to Working, the show about what people do all day. I'm your host, Jordan Weissman, and this week we are going to revisit an old episode that I thought fit really perfectly into this season's theme. Last year, I visited Holy Apostle Soup Kitchen, the largest emergency food program in New York City, to talk with its director of operations, Michael Otley. And he told me about what it is like to do his job during Thanksgiving. And since we have been talking with people who work in homelessness services and feeding people who are homeless is incredibly, incredibly difficult and important job, and this happens to be the weekend after Thanksgiving, it felt like the perfect time to bring that show back. And next week, we will be airing more new interviews in this series. So in the meantime, happy holidays. What's your name and what do you do? My name is Michael Otley. I'm the director of operations, Holy Apostles Soup Kitchen. And tell me a little bit about Holy Apostles. How long has it been around for? Holy Apostles, well, the, the church itself has been around for 175 years, but the soup kitchen has been around for, we just celebrated our 36th anniversary. Um, it was started back in 1982 out of a, what we thought was a temporary need for a temporary problem. And here we are 36 years later, still going strong, serving and seeing more people than ever. And, and hunger and, and food insecurity has become a, a, a real big issue in New York. Uh, how many people do you guys typically serve in well, a given rough, day? Or On a given day, roughly around uh, 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we launched last year in May a, a brown bag lunch program, which will we create uh, over a thousand bags a week. We deliver to people in the area, um, say for, for instance, PS33, which is across the street. They have about seventy-five to one hundred children that live are living in in the shelter system that we deliver them before they go home. We deliver them bag lunches. We have a senior center next door, which is called Penn South, a mutual redevelopment. Uh, houses and uh, we deliver them once a week to what they call a chew and chat program. We also partner with a group called Hardy Start who delivers bagged lunches and breakfast sandwiches to those folks that are around Penn Station who who get kicked out during the day for the commuters from New Jersey and Connecticut coming in and, and Long Island coming into Penn Station. So those homeless and those in need are, are kicked out into the street and the Hardy Start delivers them a breakfast, sandwich, and a, a lunch. And so is mo- are most of the people you're feeding through these brown bag programs or is it through just hot meals through that you... The majority of what we've done and what we started 35 or 36 years ago was a hot meal, um, a nutritious meal based on uh, the USDA guidelines of my plate. I don't want to get too much into the weed, but it's, it's a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables, uh, some protein and fresh fruit every day. And that uh, is what... Um, uh, we've, we started out at, at 36 years, and these are just expansions of those programs because we saw the need was much greater, and we branched out into the community. And are you typically serving, is there like one big dining room, one big kitchen? That, uh, the- so the soup kitchen is, in, is served in the nave of the church. It wasn't always that way. Back in 1990, the church burned. Um, when the church burned and rebuilt, and it was it was created into a flexible space, and the flexible space became what was the most majestic dining room in New York. Um, we are the largest soup kitchen um, that we roll out. There's no pews, so we roll out tables. It's served restaurant style. Um, we pride ourselves on serving meals that are, are restaurant quality. Uh, we don't use any processed food or anything like that, but the, the program was based out of um, uh, out of a hot, nutritious meal. And the first day we served, we served 65 meals, and it steadily 
it went up from there. 65 up to a thousand over a thousand over a thousand today. And, and how many, how many people are you just doing lunch, breakfast? How many meals are you? We just serve uh, lunch Monday through Friday, uh, 10, 1030 to 1230, five days a week in 36 years. We've never missed a day of service, whether it may hurricane Sandy or the blackout or all those other things that usually shut down the city. We've been here to serve. Even after the fire in 1990, we, we served the next day. We went to a church around the corner. We asked him if we could cook there. We cooked their food, brought it back, and served into what was the original soup kitchen, which is a small room below us. And so you're the guy running the show. That's sort of the... the well, the show runs me, but yes. <laughs> so how did you get into this work? Well, I think I got into this work by accident. Back in 2008 and 2009, the economy sort of tanked, and I was... I lost my job, actually. Um, so what, I was were you, like, what were you doing at the time? I was I worked for a restaurant management company, and what we did is we take over restaurants and hotels that were in receivership and um, tried to make them profitable to to sell them. So I had a, a food background. I'm a trained chef from the Culinary Institute. So I was just looking for a job. I had no idea this was a soup kitchen. I was walking down. I saw the ad in the New York Times. I was walking down 28th, coming here for the first interview. I saw this line. I said, holy shit, uh, what is this? Um, you can edit that out if you'd like, but you know, <laughs> oh, I had no, no idea. Pro- Profanity is encouraged. Okay. <laughs> so I, I said, okay. So I came in and I went for the interview and they said, oh, we're a soup kitchen. And I said, I could do that. Um, so, But when I first came here, I did, really did hated you, it. Did you have any concept of what was actually involved in running a soup kitchen no time. i had no idea yeah I, I to be honest with you i didn't even know what a soup kitchen was actually i mean i'm sorry i was i just didn't have that concept in my well, mind what did you think it was or did you have any it like- was the, the job was posted as director of operations yeah and so you- i needed a job i had to pay the mortgage like everybody else and i so i came here and i said okay and when they said food that was an extra bonus yeah you know i can run a kitchen i, I can, can run, run a kitchen yeah. i know food i mean i know how to cook i mean you know, after I lost my job, I was looking for any job, actually. I was working for, I would be a dishwasher or anything, whatever it took, but this fell onto my lap. And, and like I say, at first I, I hated this. Huh. I mean, because it didn't go into what I was used to cooking in hotels and restaurants. It was on a brown tray, looked like a cafeteria tray. It was like all compartmentalized. You know, there was no presentation. It wasn't probably the most healthiest food in the world. So, you know, I had to determine how I was going to make myself happy here and how I could transform this program and to make it feel like something that I believe it is today, a food that is restaurant quality, that is good, healthy, and nutritious. So you spent a lot of your energy actually improving just the quality of the food you're putting on the plate. Changing the menu, the quality of food, um, looking for more fruits and vegetables, um, partnering with local upstate New York farmers to bring fresh produce and fresh dairy and um, all those things into the soup kitchen. What, what, what wasn't really on the menu. And back then too, we, we were, we were in some rough space. It was 2009. The, the, the donations were drying up. We were down to some minuscule uh, donations left in the bank were um, investments. And we had to change the program too. So we had to reach out to other communities like city harvest, which is an excellent company that, that donates food that's been rescued so we started that transformation, got rid of all the trans fat, you know, started to get more um, home cooked meals. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of become a more health conscious and health quality conscious, conscious yeah. place, mirroring like what 
people who can afford to eat at a restaurant right. get to eat. Yeah, I guess that's like the goal is to give them that. That is the goal. And to work on the whole person. You to know, treat people like people. We like, used to like, brag yeah. about, oh, we used to put 2,000 calories on one tray. Well, that's not healthy. Um, so, you know, and we, we transformed it and here we are today. And, you know, we, we buy 40% or 50% of our stuff is fresh fruits and vegetables grown from or rescued from upstate New York farms. So we're sitting here Thanksgiving week. That's what I, I think most people consider sort of or imagine to be the the big show for for a soup kitchen. That's like, is that really is that the biggest day of the year for you guys? Or to be honest, it's not. It's just another day for us. I mean, yeah. because um, it is a big day for a lot of people. It's a great volunteer day. We we're over. We have an overabundance of volunteers, but there's a lot of other programs that do Thanksgiving. We still have a seat at the table. We've still been here. We still have a great reputation. We still see people from all five boroughs. Um, so, yes, we do, but it's not our busiest day, but it's, it's a busy day. It is a busy day because it's a different meal. It requires a lot more preparation, a lot more planning. We have a lot of newer volunteers that aren't so-called regulars, or which, which puts a little uh, complication into the mix. And, you know, but it is a challenging day. So, I mean... We never miss a meal, and, and Thanksgiving is important to us, and as a thanks, is giving is important to a lot of folks. And Thanksgiving, we see a little different kind of clientele than we do the other days. Oh yeah, how so? Um, more more families and more more seniors, but it's an important day, and it's it's, it's a bear to prepare. So, what is the most busy day of the year for you guys? Well, we're pretty stable, you know. So our our numbers don't fluctuate that that often. So every day is busy, but. Thanksgiving and Fourth of July and Labor Day; those are, are, are busy days and are busier than than the normal day. But because they're important meal and they're, they're special meals, you know, they get ice cream and they get things that they wouldn't get on other days, and pumpkin pie and whipped cream and and things like that. So it's, it's a special day, and so it's an important day, and it's busy. When do you guys start planning for Thanksgiving? When does that process begin? Well, the, I started planning, and it's a big joke within the, the emergency food program is that, you know, I'm asking for turkeys and, and things, that, you know, the day after Thanksgiving. So, but they said, can you wait at least until Easter? And then when I get to Easter, can you please wait till July? And then, you know, I'm calling up everybody. Can you, can you guarantee me this many turkeys? And then I'm calling up local restaurants. Can you help me get some pies or whatever? And I mean, so the planning takes a long time because I try to minimize our costs by getting as much food from other sources than having to go out and purchase it. Not all of our food is donated, but it sure helps our bottom line when food is donated. So it's a challenge to get those things donated. And, and the biggest challenge is, is getting the turkeys because usually turkeys and proteins aren't things that are easily accessible through the emergency food network and that you usually have to purchase. But I've been lucky in the last few years that I've been getting those. Um, so planning starts the day after Thanksgiving, or maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but um, around middle of, of the year I start planning and then is that partly because also you have to have a specific menu for Thanksgiving no I create the only the menu I I, I create I mean I, I have full leeway in what menu I prepare so you know I try to have a traditional Thanksgiving meal and you know uh, one time someone said oh I can give you chickens but no I want turkeys and you know no I can give you chickens uh, will you settle on Cornish game hens no I want turkeys because it's traditional so I mean <laughs> So I finally got them. You know, I was a little persistent, and and they came through. So I mean, I like it. I mean, it's like cooking for your family at Thanksgiving. I mean, it's it's fun, and you know, always as a kid growing up, I was like, 
I had the biggest Thanksgiving meal in my small little house in upstate New York, and I would always prepare for the whole family. So it's just a little bigger family here. Wait, when did you start cooking for your family? When I was a kid. I, you know, I had an easy bake oven. You know, <laughs> I used to cook with a light bulb. You know, and, and then little, I was a, a little brownie, and then I was a baker, and you know, I I, I was going to do a special cake for my brother's birthday. I'm getting off subject, but so it said one and a half cups of water, and I read it as I was a child. I read it as eleven and a half cups of water, and I couldn't figure out why, why I didn't have a big enough pan to put it in, and I didn't understand why the Easy Bake Oven wasn't cooking that that, that cake. So there was a little bit too much water in it, but that's how I started, and. I got a little better. You know, I almost burned down my mother's kitchen once by cooking the bacon and falling asleep and the grease fire and, and you know, things. And then I went to the culinary school and the first class I had was bake, was bake shop. Yeah. And I had this little well, German. Well, you've been doing that forever. <laughs> the German guy, he was like, I wasn't a good baker because I had no patience. And I, I'm, a, I'm a seat of your pants kind of guy. And I, I, I said, and, and baking is exact, and you know, I was trying to bake something. He said, "You're going to kill somebody someday." So I, I didn't. I decided not to be a baker, to be a regular chef. So I, I love doing it, and you know, I like having fun, and I like the craziness of it, and the, I like the uncertainty of it, and and everything like that is, is what I say is Thanksgiving. It's like crazy uncertainty. It's you know, family arguments and, and things like that. You know, we have all that here. Yeah. So it's like just cooking for a big family. So. And then we start cooking, you know, we started cooking the turkeys. I mean, we only have so many ovens. We have to cook 100 turkeys. Wait, so I want, to, I want to get back, though, to the, I want to get to the fe- getting the turkeys, the obtaining of the turkeys. Uh-huh. So, well, first, you said, so you make the, I guess, is the menu different every year or a little? Or do you, like, how do you, when do you decide what's going to be on the menu? Because if you're getting, if you have to start at the beginning, you're getting the stuff, you probably have to know what you want to get. So I print the menu and then I try to procure off what I have on that menu. If it doesn't work out, then I'll change the menu tomorrow. If I don't get sweet potatoes, I'm going to have mashed potatoes. If I don't have mashed potatoes, I'm going to have sweet potatoes. Uh, so so what, getting, what are the must-have? Like, what's the basic areas for a Turkey's got, I mean, yeah. what is Thanksgiving without turkey? Yeah, turkey's a must. No Cornish I mean, game, man. I mean, I'm sorry for the <laughs> vegetarians, but, you know, what is turkey without Turkey. I yeah, mean, we do offer vegetarian meals. We just leave the turkey on. So turkeys is is a must have, and, and everything else is secondary. But I try to look at the traditional things that you would bring to your house for Thanksgiving. You know, everybody has sweet potatoes usually. Everybody has mashed potatoes. Everybody has pie. Everybody has. So I try to get those things stuffing. Yes, and, and, and you know, if it works out, it works out. You know, who are you going to to try and get donations from? Is it I go grocery to stores? Is it? So I beg, borrow, and steal, and I don't steal too much. So I beg and I borrow. So what happens is, you know, like I mentioned before, City Park, City Harvest has been a great partner, and you know, I use them, and and they probably use me too, and you know, I, I can reach out to them and pretty confident that I get what I want. Mm-hmm. So it starts there. When I first came here, we didn't get turkeys from City Harvest; we we purchased them. We spent two or three thousand dollars on just turkeys. I mean, since, you know, over the years, City Harvest has come through. So then, you know, I have restaurants that I'm, you know, I, that I've connected to that, you know, he calls me up and he says, one guy was, would send me enough cranberries, uh, fresh cranberries to make cranberry sauce with the orange juice and the sugar. But I would add some extra things to it, like walnuts and things. So I go out to those people that I ask, and sometimes it's been good years for them and sometimes it's been bad. But, you know, I was having a hard time with all the other stuff to go with it this year, so... But again, as soon as I ordered the pies for Thanksgiving, my restroom go-to guy called me up. I know it's a little late. He said, I've been a little lax. He said, but can you take 22 cases of pumpkin pies? 22 cases. 22 cases. And 22 cases is equivalent to 22 times there's six 
pies in a case. So I, like I, I can do the math. 130 something. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it gives me a thousand slices. And so he came through and he says, you're going to be delivered Wednesday, even though I have my, my stuff already in hand. I'll just use them for Christmas. So, I mean, I, I'm moving ahead. So you're, you're trying to, you're trying to, you have to like plan storage and logistics at that yeah. point. Yeah. that far. Ahead. We're always, we're always challenged that way. Storage is a problem. Yeah. And then, you know, it was not last year, the year before. We had a, a huge abundance of turkey. And I, I came to work. This was after Thanksgiving, though. Come here, there was two pallets of turkeys on my sidewalk that was left over from people who didn't order from Fresh Direct. And they, they had to sell by, eat by date or whatever that date is that's, you know, insignificant Wait, in most places. There's so, two pallets sitting there. Did you two know pallets. they were going to No, be there? they were just sitting there. Someone so, just brought them and left so them. So we had 300, 300 turkeys on that pallet. The day before that, here comes Google with another 200 turkeys. So that year, and then City Harvest delivered my usual 100. So that year I had like turkeys for, you know, months. Do you ever, do you ever end up with too much turkey? No, I mean, is that a joke? Oh, too much turkey? I don't, I don't know. Like, is it possible? <laughs> <laughs> too much turkey? I think Look, I, I ask dumb questions sometimes. No, you know, that's no, not, you're get a good no questions <laughs> dumb. Nothing's too much. <laughs> you know, you always have to, you know, you can have turkey, turkey yeah. pot pie, turkey tetrasini, turkey casserole, turkey this. I mean, turkey, you know, turkey, whatever. I mean, turkey hash. I mean, we can make it. We got to be creative here. You can keep, you don't just serve the turkey on Thanksgiving. Right. You can keep, you yeah. can keep serving for the. Yeah. I, you know, call it by something else, you know, turkey pot pie. And, yeah. You know, if, if I really, if they're sick of turkey, which, you know, they could have been after like 500 turkeys and a month of turkey, you got to name it a different name and we'll use a French name. <laughs> I don't understand it. <laughs> so I mean, do the Frenchy turkey, Frenchy turkey, whatever, whatever we call it. So find yeah, find something. I mean, never too much. I mean, I've learned. I, n- I never say no. You know, sometimes I get in trouble, but I never say no to a donation because mm-hmm. you know I believe in that old thing. You know, you say no once, you say no twice. The third time, it's not going to come. So you know, I rely on donations, and donations is what saved our program. What's the best way to learn a language? Immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day in everyday situations. But if that's not on the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. I've used apps in the past to learn new languages, but when I came across Babbel, I wondered if it could help me refresh my knowledge of a language I once spoke well, but was now a little bit or quite a lot rusty. I have to say, I was impressed. The advanced lessons were really useful, tips and idioms that can help with in-depth conversations on topics that I can actually imagine chatting about. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and the tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. What's more, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for working listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for working listeners, at babbel.com working. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com working, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash working. Rules and restrictions may apply.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're planning Thanksgiving throughout the year and you're mm-hmm. getting ready for it. Mm-hmm. You're getting the, the donations. Mm-hmm. When would you say the, the, the prep work for the actual day really ramps up? When does that start? Well, for the, we've been cooking turkeys for... Yeah. This is our second week. So two weeks before, we're, we're cooking the turkeys because we've got to cook 100. We cook so many a day, plus we have an operation to run. So we, we cook those, and then we, we, we cool them down, and then we, we clean them off the, the bones and get ready to serve them. So a couple weeks, a couple weeks out, um, mm-hmm. the size, you know, we'll start to prepare some today, some tomorrow. And we'll be all wrapped up with everything by tomorrow night so it can just go in the oven and be ready. I mean, we'll be ready for 1030 uh, on Thursday morning. There'll be a, you'll come here. There'll be a line already forming, um, the line outside, which is sad. It starts at like 8, 830, sometimes before. Um, I usually get here around 630 and there's, you know, there's one or two people already starting to stand in line. I mean, because the need is that much and it may might be, that you know they're homeless, but they're just food insecure, and they're they're angst up about not being able to get a meal to to feed their family. And so, I mean, that's the sad part of what you do here that you have to you see so many people that are in such need. I mean, although the economy we're in the best economy that we've been in a very long time since in my lifetime, but but we still have a greater need for food insecure individuals relying on soup kitchens. Every day. I'm just thinking those people are getting there at six in the morning. It's cold. It's November. It's, it's late cold. November. It's cold. Yeah. I mean, how many hours are they waiting at that to come in and then? So we open at 1030. Yeah. Uh, so. We don't really have any shelter out there for them. You know, this wasn't built as a soup kitchen. It was a, an Episcopal church. And, you know, there's, you know, it looks nice outside and it's old, but we didn't prepare for this huge project or huge mission. It's not a project. It's a mission. And it's, you know, the mission of the, uh, Church of Holy Apostles, the soup kitchen, and you know. And you said um, you said that so you're cooking the turkeys in advance, and so mm. then you're storing the cooked meat. So how you're just putting it in a fridge and holding, or how's we, that? We work? put it in the refrigerator and we hold it, and then you know when the day comes tomorrow Thursday morning, we'll we'll go in and we'll, we'll we'll reheat it to the proper safe temperature. We have some commercial equipment down there, which takes it a li- takes it along a little quicker. Um, it's a steamer that can do things in half the time. So we bring it up to temperature quite quick and we serve and, you know. Yes. How many guys are in the kitchen? Are you, are you overseeing? We have a very limited staff. We have a total of one, two, about four people in the kitchen. So there's, there's two cooks in the kitchen and two people in the prep kitchen. But then we have some people like porters or dishwashers and pot washers and pour, uh, and, and some security people. But basically four people do most of the grunt work. And are you are you in the kitchen too doing the cooking? I, I, I don't, you know, I they don't want me in the kitchen. <laughs> Why not? Because I'm I'm di- I'm difficult to work with. I mean, I, because I'm so anal. I mean, I know how I want it done, and you know, they probably got a better way than me because you know I'm an older guy and I have older tricks, and they don't like new tricks, and you know, you can't teach an old guy new tricks, so they like to use their new tricks. So I stay out of the way, uh, but I'm still in there. And, but, you know, if I say anything, I say something and, 
But most of the time, you know, I have some very dedicated employees that have, some have worked with me way before I came to the soup kitchen. So, you know, I have some history with them. So they know by the, the look on my face if it's right or it's wrong. And they always try to do the right thing. But, you know, the soup kitchen is blessed that they have some really dedicated long-term employees. I mean, there's some employees that have been here for 22, 23 years. And then we rely on about 65 volunteers every day. And, you know, the, the that's the hardest people to manage um, because they're new and they, you know, they all have their own way of doing things and we have our own way of doing things. And sometimes they aren't good partners together. So there's some challenges there, but it, it's, it works. I mean, and you know, I've been to every soup kitchen in New York and I'm not just saying because I work at Holy Apostles is that this is a well-run feel good soup kitchen and the atmosphere when you walk down them steps, into the nave of the church is just incredible. People will call me up all the time. What do you do about the violence in your soup kitchen? Well, I have to say we don't have much violence in our soup kitchen, you know, and I'm not saying we never have it, but in the most part where it's a welcoming place to be. I mean, there's always a guy on a piano playing a baby grand piano and the music. And a lot of times we get Broadway performers who come and play and Broadway orchestras that come and play. And so it's a really fun place to be. We don't rush our guests out. We don't, you know, treat them badly. I mean, so it's a very welcoming place and, you know, it makes my job not so much challenging. So, there is the violence a, a big issue at soup kitchens? Not, not, I, mean, I mean, not necessarily here, but I, in general. You know, you said you it happens. I mean, you know, we, we deal with, I don't know if it's a big, big, big issue, but it happens. And, and it happens because there's a very diverse kind of population that comes here. You know, we have, we're in a city that de- we're dealing with a lot of things. We're dealing with homelessness. We're dealing with addiction. We're dealing with the heroin epidemic. We're dealing with a lot of different things and mental illness. Um, yeah. So you, you have Is all like those. A, a fight occasionally breaks out or something like that? Uh, occasionally. And, it, and it's always something stupid. It's always something that someone reached over something to grab a salt or pepper. And why are you reaching over my food? You know, and we usually can like deflate it quickly uh, because again, we're in a church. So we use it to our advantage. And what I say, are you here to eat? Or are you here to fight? I said, you know, and then I give them a stupid story that, you know, I'm, I'm 60 years old and I've never been in a fight in my life, not even with my own brothers and sisters. And you're not going to be the first one. And I think it pretty much goes away, but you know, you still get that one that, Whatever, and we we handle it. But I, I mean, I don't know about other soup kitchens. I, I can just speak for myself. So to, I, I didn't mean to take us down a detour, but the volunteers. Yeah. When do they start coming in on Thanksgiving? Well, first of all, we're, we 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 open the list the day after Thanksgiving. So we open the next year before. Day, yeah, and it's usually sold out by June. This year, I saw I was on the calendar last night because you get some of them those those latecomers that say, "Oh, I have a friend who who is a friend who has a friend. Can you please override the schedule, and get them in?" So basically, they start coming. They're registered in June. It's full, and they come at nine thirty on Thanksgiving Day and. Um, we're ready to go at 10.30. So it's a pretty well-oiled machine down there. We got it down. We know exactly. We They come in, they sign in, we make assignments. Um, we know exactly how many spots we need where. And how many people are there that day? Um, 65. I, I have right now on the account, we usually take, our list usually tops out at 60. Right now on the list is 75. So you take roughly the normal number. The normal you, number. Yeah. So you get there at 6.30. You get there before. Yeah. So what are you doing when you arrive on Thanksgiving? What's 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 on your Well, I run around probably doing nothing, but <laughs> I think I'm doing a lot. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I'm just walking around. I, I just 
I manage my walking around. So, you know, I, I just, I, I've been doing it for a long time. Um, so I know when things are right and when things are wrong and where things need to happen. So I just stand back and let my, my managers do what they got to do. What's and, happening at that point then? What are you happening? walking around well, looking we're, at? We're, we're, I'm looking around and seeing that the food is being warmed properly and that they're being put into the warmer. I'm asking them how many pans of turkey they have, how many pans of this they have. In. And if they say, they'll say to me, I don't know. And well, that, that's not the answer I want to hear. And they know that. So I'll say, you know, I don't know. It's not part of my vocabulary. So give me the right answer. Things like that. Then I go down in the prep kitchen and see what they're doing. And, you know, they're probably cooking themselves some breakfast, maybe getting ready. And I say to them, you know, the pie's all done. Where's the whipped cream? Blah, blah, blah. And then I just keep doing that continuously. And then, you know, the, the volunteers are arriving and I let the volunteer managers do what they got to do. And, you know, they make their assignments and then the line gets set up and then I'm walking up and down the line and I'm making sure that everybody's in their position, making some stupid jokes that I think are funny. But Wait, so, what's, what's a joke that you're going to be telling people? It's not jokes. I mean, uh, how many turkeys you think we got here? Or like, you know. Oh, we're here to have a good day. And what, I mean, it's just stupid things. I mean, you're making small talk with the line. Small talk. I yeah. mean, I'm trying to make them feel comfortable. And, yeah. you know, you get them the ones that are real serious. And I try to get them to get a smile on their face. And, and I try to tell them we're here to have a good day. And, you know, some of them have to come because their parents made them come volunteer on Thanksgiving. So, you know, you got to make a little joke. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother used to do that to me, too. You know, I used to have to go to the country club once in a while and dress in a Easter Bunny outfit. And I didn't like to do that, but it was for a good cause. And Wait, what cause? Actually? <laughs> I mean, Wait, it was an Easter thing from when I was upstate New York. You have the kitchen going in the morning. Mm-hmm. They're 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 steaming the turkey to get yeah, it hot again. I guess yeah. that also keeps it moist, right? It keeps it moist. Yeah, yeah adds moisture back into it. Yeah, adds moisture because if you had to yeah. reheat it another yeah, way, yeah, right. like in if an you, oven, it would in the dry heat, it would dry it out. Yeah, yes. so you got it. You're steaming everything. You're getting the potatoes ready. I guess as a lot of other stuff's been cooked ahead of time too, right? right. Most of it is just, just prepared, and in, in in the morning we just bring it to temperature and we bake it. So yes, and then you've got the line of volunteers that are, you're sort of going down and. So how are you, what, how are you assigning work to those people? Are you? Well, I'll leave that to the volunteer manager because they're much better at that, but we have a list of stations that we need. So, you know, we'll I'll give them the menu and then we'll divide that into, you know, turkey, gravy, green bean casserole, mashed potatoes, yams, pumpkin pie, whipped cream. So we have those and we have two lines. So if that's seven, that's 14 volunteers. So we sign each to them and then we have 14 tables and, 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 and to be honest, on, on Thanksgiving, they'll each be assigned one table. Then we have a a, a, a cleaning station or a tray t- station where we take the empties. It's a little bit more complicated now because we compost. Um, we started composting this year, so it's a little bit more labor intensive. So we have a few more extra volunteers there. And then we have extra bread station where we have people assigned to that. To, that put We don't use butter or margarine on the bread. We use peanut butter now. And then we have a spoon station and then we have people helping in the dish area and we have people helping in the pot room and then we have people in the prep kitchen. So there's, these are all assignments and on a predetermined sheet and we just plug in their names. Um, we don't do that ahead of time because you name, you may signed up last June for Thanksgiving and you forgot you signed up and you may not show up. Even though we do send a reminder, some people's plans change or things happen. So. That's why we override the system and we let 75 come because we'll have some drop-offs who in June were, were at a party and thought it would be a great if a group of their friends got together and volunteered on Thanksgiving and now it's Thanksgiving and those friends got a different party to go to or a different 
cause to go to. Suddenly they're feeling less opens, charitable. Yeah, yeah less charitable. But Thanksgiving is probably one of the most busiest days for volunteering. The month of November is crazy. Would you say the, the volunteers are more or less competent on Thanksgiving? Or- I'm going to have to say competent because I never want to say, or, or <laughs> say anything otherwise. Um, we have some very dedicated, long-term volunteers who take leadership, quasi-leadership roles in particular areas. So they're, they're hopefully they're their ambassadors or they're their team leaders for those stations. So, you know, it's like what? Mary had a little lamb. They all are sure to follow. And so that's what goes on. What's the, like, most difficult station to manage? Like, what's the most logistically challenging of, of the parts of the dining room? To be honest, the bread station. Wait, Really? And the bread station is, depending on what is on that bread station, first of all, the volunteers that usually work at it are the most challenging volunteers because they are, for lack of better words, strong personalities and all have their set ways to do things. And sometimes we get an abundance of sweets. Sweets is not usually one of our menu choices because we try to stay away from those kinds of things because we're looking on the whole person. You're talking and about like brownies? Brownies and, like- and cakes and pies and candy yeah. and all those other okay, things. Okay, so the bread station includes bread, dessert, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, everything that gets donated that we don't have a use for, with the exception of sometimes making bread pudding. So that can be a challenging and. The guests who come here, and we call all of our clients guests because we treat them as guests. They jones for that table. They just go for that table, especially when there's a lot of sweets. So, I mean, I, I don't know if they don't get them normally or it's 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 feeding on something else, but it becomes challenging. And I guess that's where all the pumpkin pie is on Thanksgiving. Yeah, we have a separate station for pumpkin pie. We oh, don't okay. put it on the tray. So we, 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 we put it on a separate station and we serve it to each table. Is that because otherwise it would be? No, I mean, it's just, again. It's ravaged. <laughs> it's, it's just, it would be ravaged. But on the other hand, it's just another way of us to offer our, for lack of better words, our radical hospitality, a hospitality that they wouldn't get anywhere else. You're serving them. as a Serving family. them, yeah. Is that, and do you, so people are on a line getting food, but then there are also waiters or people. Were at, yeah, there's these, just, we have like 17 tables, 16 tables, 17 tables, depending on the day. And we have a person assigned to each table. So they're, 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 they're in charge of maintenance of that table and making sure that the, the milk and the water and the salt and peppers are all refilled. And then on Thanksgiving Day, they go and get the pot and, and deliver it to the table. As sort of like a final yeah. way to end uh, yeah, the, the way make, to end the meal. Make it feel special. Or sometimes, depending, they'll take it on the way out. Because you, we're only open for two hours. We have to serve a 1,000 people. We have 17 tables. We have eight chairs at a table, so we have to turn that room four times. So we continue to move them. Although we don't push them, they pretty much know this is our deal. So sometimes they'll take the pie and they go out the door. How long does each person have to eat usually, roughly? Uh, I don't put a time on it. Yeah. I mean, I would say the average is 10 minutes, which is a very Mm -hmm. short time. But that's what it's done, and it works. So in order to serve a thousand people in two hours with 17 tables, with eight chairs at a table, you have to turn that room four times. So people have already started lining up outside too, mm-hmm. as, as soon as 6.30. When does that line really start to get big? Well, before we open the door at 10.30, you'll see it from uh, down 9th, uh, going down 28th, and probably halfway to halfway down the street to 28th, going towards 8th Avenue. Yeah. So it, it can be that long. I've seen it once in my life. I saw it from 9th Avenue, 28th, between 9th, all the way to 8th at one point. Oh, wow. 
Um, that hasn't happened since 2010, 2011. Yeah, if you're not a New Yorker listening to this, it's a that's a full avenue block. Right. So it's like three city right. blocks essentially combined for a line of people. The funniest thing is we we it's not funny, but we don't. There's no means testing, so anybody can come here. So people see the line. So you know, since the 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 opening of the High Line, we get people that are walking down the street. You know, tourists from all over the country coming down to see the High Line. They'll come in and get a meal. I mean, we, we everybody is welcome here. Yeah. At one time, we had a takedown on Yelp. It said the best free food in New York was Holy Apostle Soup Kitchen. So we were getting all these things, and we finally took it down off of Yelp. But it was on Yelp, and it was like, oh my God, it's killing us. Wait, did, so, were you, were you getting more tourists? So we're getting more tourists, you know, and we were we were we were constantly running out of food that we didn't know where. I mean, one day we served sixteen hundred people. We said, I, "Wow!" So we couldn't figure out why. Um, and it was pork chops, and pork chops are not a busy day. I mean, because people uh, have dietary needs that you know, you know, whatever. Yeah, kosher, religious halal, belief. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and we kept cooking pork chops, and it's like, what is happening here? So we figured out it was on Yelp, best free food in New York, and it like, killed us. How do you how do you get that taken down? We I don't know. They did it. The um, development did it. Uh, how, I don't know how they did it, but yeah, know. that's you're the first. You're like the first organization ever I demand a good Yelp review be removed. Oh, we're not, uh, we're we're not gonna, making a profit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that's. But it was a really good meal that day. It was like pork chops with 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 pineapple sauce on it, and it had mashed sweet potatoes and. Fresh green beans with almonds. It was a really good meal, too. I mean, I, I don't know. It deserved the review, I guess. I guess it deserved it. So you, you serve a kind of a variety of people. Mm-hmm. It's, it, But the majority are lower income, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, we do. Our, I don't know the exact stats, but, you know, I think. Just observationally, homeless, yeah. Homeless, uh, I mean, makes up 50%. And then the rest come from food insecure households. So, you know, whether they have to make a choice, whether to come here for a meal or pay rent or buy a prescription or, or whatever it has to be, whatever, or buy a Metro card. I mean, any of those things. So, you know, it saves them. I mean, I don't know what the average meal in New York is right now, but you can't get the kind of quality food for the price that you could get here. And you said it's more families though on Thanksgiving usually. Thanksgiving families. And, and yeah, I mean, we're trying to build on that too, because it, sadly it, it, the school across the street has, 75 families that are living in shelters um, in the neighborhood that are housed in hotels. 100,000 kids that, that go to school are living food insecure or, or shelters in New York City. So there's a need there. Schools aren't open either. And, then, you know, they have free breakfast and, and free uh, lunch now. But, you know, the schools are closed, so they have a need. So we're trying to re- we reach out to them. You know, we live next to Penn South or what they call a Mutual Redevelopment Project Uh it's the largest uh, natural occurring retirement community in the country. And I think the first. It's been there since 1962. There's a lot of seniors there that are living in on a fixed income and rely on food stamps. Food stamps are being cut. Um, they were cut a few years ago, and there's about another round of cuts coming through. So they're food insecure. We get them also not to eat here, but they also come here to volunteer because they're too proud to stand in that line to come in for a meal. So they come in and volunteer, so they feel like they've given back 
in order to receive that field meal. So, so they feel like they've worked for the. They, they feel like they've worked for it, and, and, it, and it keeps their dignity. Yeah. You know, we're non judgmental, but they just feel that way. It's probably their culture or the way they were brought up. But I mean, there's, I think there's 3,000 residents there, and the majority of them are 60 and above. And when people are waiting in that line, the families, the everyone who's there on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. how do you manage it? I imagine, I, I bet that, that's got to pose some challenges. You've got a, a full city block of people waiting for food. I well, mean, they stand in line and we, we just keep them close to the fence to keep our neighbors happy because sometimes they merge onto the sidewalk. So we try to keep them as close to our fence as possible because like a lot of people, I mean, the neighbors get mad at us. They think we're doing a great thing. They think we're doing a wonderful service. But again, it's a wonderful service and a great thing, but sometimes not in my neighborhood kind of yeah. uh, thing so we try to be couldn't, as, couldn't you be a little bit more charitable somewhere else uh, couldn't you just move uh, the church down uh, the street we get those comments really? you have people it, who it, say could you move is uh, that- yeah could you stop what you're doing i mean we get those comments from neighbors but you know again we've been here for 36 years we try to be good neighbors we're, we're part of a community um we, we go to community board meetings tells a soup kitchen to stop doing I mean, what they're doing again, i mean You'll see it in New York too. If you you see if you pay attention closely, and you see see you see this homeless guy on uh, on the street, and you'll see some folks walking close to him. They'll look at the guy and they'll stop a minute, and then you'll see him cross the street so they don't have to walk past that person. They don't. So you know it happens all over the city, and it happens all over the country, it happens probably all over the world. But we're community, and we try to. Everybody is included, and we're a very inclusive church, and we're doing what we can do to help eradicate, you know, or work ourselves out of a job by, by eradicating hunger. That line of people that's snaking around the block, the mm-hmm. families, you're trying to keep them quiet, essentially, and, and just, you know, I guess, you know, just making sure that everything's peaceable while to make, the neighbors don't get mad and whatever. They eventually start coming in. Right. Um, and you've got to move them four times. I mean, what else are you kind of doing? Well, once we that? open up, pretty much the line takes care of itself. So the initial rush, once we get in, we probably can get the whole line in in the, in the first seating. And after that, it's just maintenance. Continue to run them through. As soon as so many people go out, we let so many people in. And, you know, we, we have a quite a good system. You know, a couple of years ago, we had Toyota was going to come here and see how we could be more efficient. So they came in here, they spent a day here, and they were going to tell us how we could be more efficient and how we could better serve our guests. So after the first day here, they I never heard back from them. So I called them up and said, what happened to you helping us become more efficient? They said, well, you're as efficient as we think you could possibly be, and we're not interested in the project anymore. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> they didn't give you a courtesy call? Yeah, yeah. at least give us a courtesy call. Yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> I mean, we always look at efficiencies and we always look at what ways we can better serve. And, you know, that's what keeps us relevant in, in 2018. I think, you know, we continually to change. We continually to look things through a little bit better and, and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll get better and more efficient. And, you know, that's our goal and, and still serve the amount of people that we serve. That's why we've created the bottom bag lunch program. And that's why we're going to have a backpack program uh, so we can feed more people and become more efficient and, and, and bring out our reach. When you are serving people and you're turning over there, what are you doing at that point? What's, are you running around the room? What are you? Well, yeah, probably to? sometimes, most times, all the time, but yeah. Uh, so I continue to do what I do. I just, I, I check in in the dishwasher. I check in in the pot washer. I go down in the prep kitchen. I, I check in on the volunteers. I mean, I, I, I go to my office and answer my 30 emails. And sometimes I don't. I'm not a very good email answerer. And I, I don't ever answer my phone, so don't call me. And I continue to do that. And I mean, it's just, 
You just keep watching. It's nervous energy. Yeah. I'll pick up a rag and, you know, just wipe something and not wipe anything. Um, but I mean, or I'll go by and uh, pick out a carrot in the, in the thing and, and taste it, even though I, I may not like carrots. I mean, it's just nervous energy and I don't know. You it it sure works for me. You want to make sure everything goes right. I mean, it just works for me. I mean. Well, what can go wrong at that point? Like what's something? Oh, everything can go wrong. I mean, yeah. it could be, you know, turkey wasn't heated properly. So we've been serving turkey for half the day that it's spoiled. Not that that's ever happened, but that, that could happen. I mean, a fight or an incident could break out. I mean, so there's a lot of things that could go wrong. I mean, cook doesn't show up. So much things can happen. But, you know, as I said this morning, my father used to tell me, don't sweat the small stuff. And then I asked him, dad, what's the small stuff? Everything's the small stuff. So that's what I work. I mean, don't sweat the small stuff. It's going to happen. I mean, no matter how you plan or, or the day is coming, this is the way it's going to be. And, and hopefully you've communicated your expectations and you've communicated your employees and your employees have worked with you and created a bond and they know exactly what to do. And hopefully it works out. And 99.9% of the time it does. I mean, we don't run out of food. Um, I was going to ask, do you, you don't run out of anything at Thanksgiving? We don't run out of anything. You always uh, have extra. We always have extra. I put a 10% cushion in everything I do. Because that's years of experience and planning, but I, I, I do that to ensure that we have enough to also feed our volunteers and hopefully have enough food to, to start tomorrow with or the next day. Do you serve Thanksgiving leftovers to anyone? Is, is there a, is I mean, I never throw anything out because I'm a, a, a food waste advocate. So, I mean, 40% of all food that is produced, or, and I think it's up to 50 now, the last number, is wasted. And I refuse to be part of that waste i mean i said this year we started composting and we do compost and we, we help the environment that way i believe in the science of global warming so I, I i try to prepare and to rescue and to reuse and to repurpose everything that i possibly can get because i there's nothing worse than having food that has been rescued or donated to an organization given to an organization to help feed and to help lower the eradicate hunger or that need for for that and having to throw it away. So it bothers the hell out of me. It bothered the hell out of me when I was a chef. It bothers the hell out of me now. So I, I try to utilize everything that I possibly can. I, I think we sort of covered this a little bit when we were talking about that turkey tetrazzini, but yeah. what's your favorite uh, Thanksgiving leftover recipe? Uh, it is a hot turkey sandwich and this is for- on Wonder Bread. <laughs> yeah. It's just, and it's not good for you. The Wonder Bread is like disgusting, but it's like uh, tastes so good. Yeah. I mean. Uh, do you serve? Do you do that as, for the? No, not day? here. I, what, what, I what do you? What's your favorite for? What, what's your preferred uh, recipe for? So I usually here? will make turkey pot pie the next day. That's the that's the yeah, classic yeah. Yeah, after Thanksgiving class, meal. Yeah. Or turkey shepherd's pie or whatever you want to do. Take the old mashed potatoes, throw it on the top, throw all the stuff in there, the vegetables in there, the green beans, cook it, layer the mashed potatoes on top, bake it and brown it in the oven. There you go. You're done. Nothing wasted. So come Thanksgiving, people want to um, make a difference, do something for people on the holiday. What do you guys need the most? So the best thing is to go on to our website, which is www.holyapostlesoupkitchen.org. We, we take money donations, we take food donations, we take canned drive donations, we take toiletries, which I even didn't even go there, but uh, we, we, have a most, we have the most robust social service program of any of the soup kitchens, I believe, in New York, where we hand out toiletries and, and you know, something that you and I take for granted 
is something that is very important to them. So toothpaste and toothbrush and shaving cream and soap and all those kinds of things that uh, we do. So cash is great. You can go and sign up on uh, on our website to volunteer, and volunteers are always needed and always welcome. It's a great experience. Canned goods is always wonderful. Toiletries are, are an excellent choice. It's getting cold now, so hats and gloves will be coming into uh, a need real quickly here. Um, we do get coats, but we never get enough coats. So any lightly used clothing we will accept. So we have a clothing pantry that we hand out clothing. And so it's a very diverse, I talk, we talk mostly about food, but we work on the whole person and, and we have a really, really strong social service component to, to the soup kitchen. And again, that, that website is uh, www.holyapostlesoupkitchen.org. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. That's it for this week's episode of Working. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. And if you have questions, comments, thoughts, send me an email at workingatslate.com. As always, Working is produced by Jessamine Molly. A special thank you to Justin D. Wright for the ad music. Catch us next week. <laughs>